Welcome to Record Crimes. In each episode, we'll be getting into anything from copyright legal battles, crimes committed by people in the music industry, and and everything everything in between. People in the music industry? Doing illegal things? Really? impressions it's like i'm actually upset about it i hey if this falls through i need a comedic act to pay my bills all right (laughs) wait ready set ready set go hello (laughs) hi Mm, where are we i don't know that's how i feel today that's exactly how i feel (laughs) we took an impromptu break last week a mini break. Do some video editing. Social media is hard. Dude. No one tells you about that. Life is hard. ATM. Do you know USC has a social media class? There's a college course I out there for social media. I don't care for that. Like, I know how social media works. I know what works. I just, it's a lot of work. Now you could pay money to take a class on it, too. I don't want to do that at all. <laughs> at all. Um, how is your parents being in town? As I was literally telling you. Before we got on the pod, I love having my parents in town, although I like regress every time they come into town. It's just like what happens when you're around your parents. You just turn into like the little teen version of yourself and you're like, yeah, what if I'm angsty as fuck? Like you just return to the time where you lived with your parents and that could be anywhere between three to 18 years old. Like who knows what version of Clarice you're going to get? Who knows? Over the weekend, I was like seven year old Clarice. Oh, no. (laughs) Seven-year-old Clarice, who's mom. The big cheese? The big, no, that is like 10. Okay, so maybe big cheese moment. There was some awkwardness in there, for sure. The big cheese returns. Um, The big cheese moment. When my mom, like, comes into my apartment, she's like, oh, nice. Um, What's this? What's this? Let me clean this. Why is this here? You need another one. Make sure you you buy another one. Do you need me to buy? You know, next time I'm out, I'll just just get it for you, and I'll I'll, I'll ship it back. It's fine. She starts, like, firing off things like that, and I'm like, I mean, and then my sister is just in the back being like, mom, you don't need to tell Clarice knows this. Clarice is an adult. And I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> my brain is not. And she synapsing. just short circuits forever. So I think I'm just like coming off of that because today okay. I like woke up today in one of those like moments where like you ever wake up and you just like don't know where you are every day, <laughs> every day. So, <laughs> so like I woke up today to my alarm. And I'm like, what's that alarm for? Oh, like, you... what? what is happening? And then I'm like, oh, my God. And then I hit, like, snooze. Mm-hmm. Like, two minutes into my snooze, I shoot up out of bed again. I was like, I have work. I was Aww. like, I can't hit snooze. I was like, no. So um, it was, like, one of those. It, it was a frantic morning. But I was like, why did I forget? Like, genuinely, I forgot that I, yeah, had any obligations today. And no, it's just real. been, like, a weird. It's It's been, like, a weird day but it's not been a bad day it's just been like off i'm forgetting things i'm like losing my train of thought yeah and um yeah where are we 
Similarly, <laughs> I think like the ADHD medicine I'm on is not working at the moment for the past like week or so. So yeah. This episode will be very fun to edit. This episode will be unmedicated. Brought to you by... <laughs> I'm cutting that. <laughs> cutting that. No! All right. Where are we? Where are we? Um, but you know what I think it was? I think by not doing our episode last week, we ruined our routine and it's we just did. thrown us off. We can't... Oh, I don't think we can do that again. <laughs> I hate to say, we have to at least pretend like we're like recording an episode. Like if we take a break, we'll just record some. You know, we don't have commercials yet, but maybe we should record some like little interludes. Let's do fake commercials. Fake commercials brought to you by the unmedicated. Brought to you by you forgot your keys. How do we fix? Wait, they should be like um, like those like infomercials of like where they start out like do you ever feel like and then it's yes. like this thing that like literally happens to maybe like one percent of like yes one percent of one percent are you kidding me I and got, then i and got then, a plenty of one percent problems and then they're like and then they're like here's the perfect very niche thing that you need because this could happen to you and then it's like someone like clumsily like throwing something like a cartoon Yes. Like, oh, I spilled. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Forgot your keys? Never forget them again. Comically large this. keys. <laughs> yeah, like this 100-foot <laughs> rope tied to your keys. It's one of those, like, um, retractable things. but Not it just, even. No, I don't but want it's a just retractable. Like, it's, like, <laughs> thousands of feet long, so you could just hang your keys up, but it's, it'll always be attached to you. Yeah, exactly. And just keep on walking. See, with my rope, Alyssa... Mm-hmm. It doesn't retract. So you can only get so far without your keys. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> or like you reach the end and you just like get snapped You're back. Like, oh. Like a tape measure. What are we doing? Like I can't. A bungee. Yeah, like a bungee. <laughs> or a band. Yeah, that'd be funny as fuck. Anyway, um, um, one problem at a time, babe. Well, I had a fun weekend. Yeah, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> I went to our friend Tina's like music video release yes, party miss thing. tina tina oh one miss egg one the music video gorgeous i watched it like i watched it twice there but then Can I, I, tell you I watched it like a bunch of other times just in my house so my coworker mm-hmm. directed and produced that music video for her at yeah she's really good jackie. she was there oh my god you met jackie mm-hmm. <gasps> plug two friends at one time yeah probably she was definitely there. Or someone who shot um, it. Did she shoot it? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I thought, yeah, she was there. She was cool. I love that you met them both. Okay, anyway. Yeah, it was weird. It was not weird, but it was, like, odd because uh, some, like, characters in my life who I hadn't seen since, like, graduating college, like, I ran into, mm-hmm. and I was like, whoa, my brain feels yes. odd. And then I got a little wine drunk. And got early dinner in, like, West Hollywood, so it was hot and fun. And, yeah, and then later that night... Oh, no. (laughs) Later that night, I went over to Zach and Harsha's. In the same night? In the same night. I'm so jealous. You went romping. I was rocking and rolling, and I was invited by lovely friend of the pod... Zach (laughs) and he was like 
oh yeah, it's gonna be chill. It's just gonna be like me and a few other people we're gonna be making dinner and then we're just gonna like chill. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. And I kind of like came a little later like thinking that they were just like doing something like casual for yeah. dinner and then like we were just gonna hang. No, I walk in and they were like chefing. They were like chefing it up in what a fucking making? kitchen. They were making like steaks and veggies and they Ooh. were like, they were like doing it up. They have a very nice open kitchen. I like yeah. their floor plan a whole lot. But there was lot. like four of them all okay. in the kitchen. Wait, do you remember their names? Oh yeah, no, it was like Zach, Harsha, um, Chris, and um, T- Tomas. Amazing. Oh my God, it was so fun. And then I was like, I walked in and I was like, I feel like I'm intruding. This is like a real intimate hang that's happening right now. And so I was trying to help and I was being told by everyone, just sit there and hang. Yeah. A and vegan I was like, shouldn't handle steaks, Alyssa. Well, it's not even that. I was like, can I cut <gasps> Can I cut a carrot for you one while carrot, I'm sitting one here? One single carrot. And they were like, just sit there. And I was like, okay. That's what I do. I, so I sat I there and there, I just cute. sat there and I talk at them. That's exactly what I did. It's amazing. They're but, great people to talk at. Yeah. and But they were cooking for a very long time and then they moved the steaks up to the roof and they had like a portable grill that they were gr- – like it was like a thing. Like they were cooking for hours and I okay. was just there I drinking the night away. So Sophie and I have never been invited to such an experience. It was so – Is ri- it like a guy's night that we've just been excluded from for No, because years? you guys were invited via me, but then I already knew you were, your parents were in town and then Sophie said that – she was at like a gig or something she was yeah, so. yeah we were both at something yeah so you guys missed the invite it'll never happen oh again God. well it, yeah it's never happened before i feel like it has happened before we just haven't been invited which is fine cool like, no it definitely has um but damn i, I told think- them i was gonna set up like a master chef ch- type challenge for them and like get, bring just like ingredients certain ingredients and be like you have one at wait what is like you have like two one, hours yeah, to one do hour. this you have one hour to do this Ready chefs go and just like have them make something yummy for me and then I'll eat it and judge them harshly. Harshly. For sure. Yeah. But or, it smelled good. I was like, oh, okay. I don't impressed. even eat steak. I know that they can chef it up. They are like very adulty. They It was cute they though. Have it, together. <laughs> it was cute because you know how everyone I was telling them, I was like the kitchen is one of those places where like someone's like really specific part of their personality will come out. And it's, like, different with everyone, but there are, like, those, like, kind of, like, types of people in the kitchen. And, like, all of them were, like, the different types of people in the kitchen. So it was, like, I was watching, like, a movie. It was very fun. You know what? I, I have a um, I have a good guess. Can I, can I guess real quick? Oh, yeah, please. Okay. So Harsha is very well thought out. He's very calculated. Yeah. Chris, all over the place. Chaos. <laughs> Zach is shouting. And Tomas is kind of like, well, yeah, I guess that works. Okay, you got Harsha and Tomas right. Chris semi right. He was like chaotic in like a controlled way where okay. he was just like, everything needs to be done and good and perfect, and I need everything to taste the best. Okay, he's so, kind of like me in the kitchen, yeah, honestly. So he was, he was, he was the concerned Chris. Yes, this, yes. Okay. And I hadn't really seen that side of him. I've seen that side of him. I did um, not know that was his cooking side as well. Zach like went like full dad mode, yes. I would say, and he was like, "Don't touch my fucking grill." He was, yeah, he was like focused, and he was like, "I'm gonna chop this like asparagus in one big chop like an axe man." And I'm like, "This is oh a my God, fun." He was the chaotic one. No, he was like. 
no, it didn't seem like it. He was just like, I'm doing it. I like, He's like, yeah. Okay. He was like dad no, I mode. Get that. Um, yeah, I felt like I was doing like a character study. Oh, like, that's so funny. Yeah, it was very fun. And then, um, yeah, they all like went into like food comas. And then Zach and I were the only one. Oh, we made s'mores too. Ooh, ah, that'll do that's it. the only reason I stayed so long. Kidding. We had a fun time though. It was a good time. I love that you hang you hung out I, with them. That makes me so happy. I literally was like, "Can I come by myself?" Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I was literally like, "Well, Sophie and Clarice are not around, so I don't know if you were hoping that they would come too, but I will be coming solo." So, OMG. no, no, no. And we're supposed to. I don't know if it's still on. They were doing talk- Friendsgiving. Yes, it's is this that, Sunday. It's still happening. Mm-hmm. Okay, sick. I I think I'm gonna bring stuffing. I'm gonna make vegan mashed potatoes and gravy. You do that. Yeah. I think we should probably text them and just be like, okay. They said they don't care. I need like a running list so no no one brings duplicates. I I already no, I already asked them that. So everyone's gonna bring mashed potatoes. It's gonna be one giant mashed potato party. Good. Okay. That's my dream party. (laughs) Why are you? Why are you trying to avoid my life dream of going to a mashed potato party? I am the well thought out chef. Get over it. I'm like, Get I just want it to it. taste good. Okay, fair. Um. <laughs> anyway, if I have um like music news, yes, unrelated to my story, mm-hmm. which I was just like trying to like get the details of because I just saw it on like Twitter this week slash. on M- Music News Weekly. This week on Music News Weekly, week. Yes. Are you okay? Sorry. That one hurt you a little bit. I could see it. <laughs> Yeah, my eyeball popped out for that yeah. one. Okay, anyway. Like, later last week, um, I guess, like, I just thought it was a different rapper, but I guess it's not. Like, Young Thug, <gasps> mm-hmm. he's on trial gonna... for, like, gang activity mm-hmm. and, like... Breaking uh, news. Yeah, like, a judge just... Sorry. The judge just, like, allowed evidence the lyrics of, like, First their songs. Time ever that's happened in a court case. Like, it's not, but it's, like... It's kind of like the craziest one. Like, I yes. feel like when we were talking about lyrics being used in like a court case with, mm-hmm. um, it was Sarah on the Decom Boom episode. Yes. She was talking about how I think like lyrics were being used or they were like trying to be used mm-hmm. in that case. But yeah, this is kind of like a crazy circumstance. I think like, I don't know. I, I'm excited to, not excited. That's a, weird word to use very interested i'm I'm intrigued to see how this pans out i'm very interested and i'm hoping that like this will kind of like move forward quickly so we could get all of the information and kind of be able to talk about Mm -hmm. it more in depth but i just thought that would be interesting to note it's going to be very interesting though if it sets a precedent because that means that if you're any sort of artist doing anything sort of shady like yeah whatever you write about in your music can be taken for face value. Mm-hmm. So, like... Everyone's going to jail. Everyone's going to be writing about rainbows and butterflies. It's going to be boring. Yeah. But everyone... Yeah, everyone's going to be going... It's going to be boring. I'm going back to jail. I did see that, too. And yeah. I think we should cover it when it completes. There is also unrelated, but another, like, copyright thing. I think it would be fun, especially for the holidays. I know I sent this to you. Was that... Oh, yeah. Just, like, the list of people. I shouldn't say list of people. There's this, like, one artist that keeps on, like, suing Mariah Carey for her All I Want for Christmas. It's so funny. And he keeps on losing. He loses so often. 
They and he did it. He's doing it again this year. And um, I just I'm I would be very interested to like go over all those times for the holidays because that's so funny. Yeah. And then I can finally open up an episode with it's time. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Have we talked for long enough, do you think? Yeah, or? I was about to say, what did you... So I um, didn't prepare a story, so Alyssa's doing a solo. Here I am. Miss Han Solo herself. No. Um. So you're doing a solo episode. I'm doing a solo episode. <laughs> um, I don't have one, so what did you bring? Okay. What do you... Let's just, like, get into it. Uh, no. Enough. <laughs> enough, Alyssa. So Ray. This is my turn where I get to be like, no, enough. It's your, I'm done with you. It's your one of three uses of that. <laughs> Use them wisely. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. All right. So today uh-huh. I'm going to tell you the story of the murder of the lead singer of Seattle band called The Gits. And I actually found this case while I was, like, re-watching old episodes of Forensic Files, like oh. the OG version. <gasps> I've also, like, heard other podcasts slash TV shows cover this. Okay. I think there's an Unsolved unsolved Mysteries about it as well, if I'm not mistaken. or like, oh, a, like the one on Or, Netflix. like, a similar type show. Okay. But, yeah, so, like, as we know, I've gotten into a lot of, like, rock slash sub-genre mm-hmm. of rock. And anytime I'm, like, looking that kind of stuff up, I usually will, like, see her name mm. Like, in these, like, lists or in, like, kind of, like, crazy rock musician deaths or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been wanting to do this for a while is really what I was getting at. She's been (laughs) sitting on it. It's taken her 35 episodes. Well, because I remember writing it down after I watched the Forensic Files. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah. Like, I see her name all the time. Yeehaw. So, anyway. Let me first, like, set the scene of Seattle. Give me a picture. In the 90s. Raining. Sure. Probably. Um, Harry met Sally. I don't know. On the needle. Christmas. No. Gross Starbucks. Am I getting it? No. <laughs> you silly girl. Okay. Okay. I'm so, over it. <laughs> we're going to set the scene in like the late, late 80s, early 90s of, in Seattle, Washington. I've already gone into quite a bit of detail in past episodes about, like, the counterculture in the mid-70s and 80s and the rise of, like, different subgenres of rock mm-hmm. and punk and all this stuff. Grunge. So, yeah, yeah. The punk movement, grunge, heavy metal, all that. Overall, the vibe in Seattle, like, in the music scene was in, like, the late 80s, early 90s, like, kind of off of this big surge of rock musicians and all of these different like subcultures that came out of it, Seattle was kind of like a hub for the birth of grunge. It's got like all of like the distorted guitars and angsty lyrical themes kind of similar to like heavy metal and Mm -hmm. punk. I do see it relating closer to the punk genre, although I do see it also being like pretty heavily related to like the heavy metal scene. So what? It's just, like, dirtier. Why is it called grunge? Are you going to tell me? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Don't worry. I was just wondering. <laughs> I just, that's, like, this is something I've always wondered, and I've always, like, explained it in my way, but I'm like, I literally have no knowledge to back that up. 
I've been just like this past year I've been on like a weird punk, punk. M- like punk grunge like research kick I don't know what it is like this movement of like punk and grunge like really just like scratches something in my brain where I'm just like what I want what I need to understand okay yeah so in style like fashion aside from like the music because you know how like the punk scene had like a very specific like fashion to it because of like Vivian Westwood and all this stuff yeah to it so same kind of like with the grunge but it's more like toned down I guess is like the word I was Mm-hmm. going for they take like that idea of authenticity of like in the punk movement that mm-hmm. was like so instrumental but they kind of like take that authenticity in like a different direction where they're where they're kind of like more like normal clothes I guess you would say like nothing too like specific you would wear but it kind of leaned more towards like oh I'm we're wearing like thrifted clothes and it's like normal like I wore this today walking down the street and now I'm playing a show in this kind of thing. It wasn't like different personas on and off stage or like even like a different persona that they curate in that kind of punk way. And they also had more of a unkempt appearance to them. Like you were kind of saying like you don't really like you kind of got the greasy hair and like the the dirty like old clothes kind of feeling. I was about to say Um, grunge is like lazy punk like it's in lazy like a fun way. in a fun way and like, like a, fashion like wise way. definitely lazy punk it's like it's like grunge people definitely smoke weed and punk people definitely do coke like you yeah it's the aesthetic that goes with yeah, yeah. i can see that <laughs> <laughs> there was also kind of like this idea as like the grunge scene especially in seattle like was rising where fashion wise like the less money you spend on like your clothes or like your overall Mm -hmm. appearance like the cooler you were Mm -hmm. long hair also seemed to be kind of like a staple of this like grunge look where it was like long straight stringy hair you didn't really brush it or wash it and shit like that i will say that my middle part is probably the most middle part oh yeah definitely 100 percent if i just middle parts only greasy Uh, the early grunge movement revolved around Seattle's independent record label Sub Pop and the region's underground music scene. The owners of Sub Pop marketed the style shrewdly, the word being used quite a bit. Oh. And so this kind of like is where the term like grunge was used mostly by like the media who would talk about like, mm-hmm. oh, this music scene that's like kind of coming up, you know, whatever. There were also, like, many female-fronted bands in the grunge scene, which I think is fucking hell yeah, Uh, specifically in the Seattle grunge scene, including, listen to these fucking band names. Oh, no. Dickless, Seven Year Bitch, my personal favorite, and, of course, The Gits. Um, as well as like places in New York and LA, there was like Courtney Love's band whole, like more in like the grunge scene. Like, yeah, like just like <laughs> Dickless and Hole. Like, please, like I these them, names are I need so them to good. Perform together. Please. The, this Seattle music scene was is very like closely associated with the Riot Girl punk movement. And I think I also talked about mm-hmm. that slightly. Yes. There is a lot of books about, like, the Riot Girl movement. I think I read one quite a while ago when I, like, first got a library card mm-hmm. this year. Very fun to read. Very fun to read. You, It's on my Goodreads. You recommended me that book. I still it's need very, to read it. It's very good. It's just kind of, like, punk feminist movement that was just, like, 
So it's badass. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. So you get the idea. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you a little bit about Mia and the formation of the band. Okay. So Mia Zapata was born on August 25th in 1965 in Chicago. She spent most of her like upbringing in Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. Her parents both had high up media executive type jobs. I couldn't oh, find out exactly like what that meant. Yeah, it was, I don't really know. Okay. They just said media exec- executive. So, but like in Kentucky, so I'm not really and sure. And also in the 60s, like what's yeah. media in the 60s? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Regardless of, like, what exactly they did, they Mm -hmm. lived pretty comfortably. Mm -hmm. But Mia was said to kind of, like, want to have, want to pave her own way, not really take the, like, handout money Mm -hmm. from, like, her parents or, like, use that as, like, kind of, like, a stepping stone. She kind of wanted to do things herself in her own way, kind of, like, be more independent that way. Um, Her father described it, quote, Mia lived in two different worlds. She lived on two sides of the street. The straight side, on one, an affluent family, a tennis club, etc. But when she crossed the street, material things didn't mean anything to her. She had a early love of music, was drawn to it like from a very, very early age. Mm-hmm. And by the age of nine, she learned how to play piano and guitar. Ooh. Some of her musical influences were not really in like the rock genre. Um, but more so in like the jazz, blues, R&B. So these influences included Billie Holiday, Bessie Smith, and nice. Sam Cooke, nice. and like Ray Charles, like those kind nice. of people. Okay. So this kind of like brought like a very interesting sound to her like future band yeah, because she had sure. all of these like really soulful, bluesy influences, but with the background instrumentation of like punk grunge rock kind of thing. I'm trying to just like imagine like a grungy Ray Charles right now (laughs) and it's kind of sending my head. No, no, (laughs) it wasn't like that, but it was definitely kind of like she had that like soul part of it. Like Georgia, Georgia. (laughs) Intrusive thought. I'm so literally. Oh, rest in peace. Okay. So not only... (laughs) Sorry, where are we? (laughs) (laughs) Where are we? Where are we? Not only did she have a very early love of music, but she Mm -hmm. kind of had like a lifelong love of everything creative. She loved to like paint and sculpt and write like kind of more visual arts. I love an artist. Yeah. She told her friends how cathartic she felt it was to express yourself honestly through art. So that was Mm -hmm. like really her medium to express all these deep feelings of her. And she did it in like so many different ways. Like Mm -hmm. she was just like trying everything. artsy. Yeah, yeah. She's artsy as fuck. Aside from her creative endeavors, she was described as to having a magnetic personality, like very charismatic. Her presence commanded respect and interest. She was always cracking jokes and loved meeting new people, had a love for community and connected people because she had these like different social circles that she would just like so naturally connect with each other mm-hmm. who would probably not normally like connect with each other in the first place. Right. But she just had that kind of personality where she could just be like, everyone in a room now, you're all going to like each other. I know it. And then they do, which is Amazing. I love that. I try to do that a lot. I was going to say, you kind of do that. <laughs> I try my Sophie. best. I feel like it's a fun personality trait to have. The fact that you went and hung out with <laughs> everyone from my 
friend that's amazing here we are point case in point she (laughs) i wrote like okay out of fear of mispronouncing something which i probably will do at some point but i (laughs) i spelled this out like phonetically but not like real phonetically just like the way that i would understand okay so she enrolled in antioch 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 college antioch yeah yeah, she... she. Wait, can I see how you spelled it out? I said auntie and then awk. Like, awkward. <laughs> auntie? Auntie awk? Um, oh, is That's it auntie? So... Fuck. <laughs> is it auntie or auntie? It's um Antioch. Okay, sure. Antioch College in Ohio. Amazing. And from what I was, like, briefly skimming about this college, I think mm-hmm. even then and also now, they're kind of, like, very, like, free with how... You want to study your things mm-hmm. there. Like, you can even, like, make your own major, I think, from what Sounds I was familiar. gathering. Yeah, so it was just, like, very, like, I think that was, like, a good spot for her to be with, mm-hmm. like, all of this creativity inside of her and her love of, like, not only music, but just kind of everything all creative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two years into college, she and three friends she had met there formed a band. They originally called themselves Sniveling Little Rat-Faced Gits. And I think that's like a Monty Python skit reference. But they soon shorten their names to just the Gits. I'm sorry. We're just going to lightly go over the the beginning of that title. Excuse me. One more time. Sniveling little rat-faced Gits. I don't think I've ever heard a better name. I think they should have kept the whole thing, but I don't know. It's just me. I know it's kind of a mouthful. I also can think of a thousand other Monty Python um, titles. Oh, I'm sure I'm sure there's that they're not um, the only ones to think of that. Bring out your dead. Tis but a flesh wound. Yeah. Yeah, I've when seen... he's like lost all his arms. And legs. Yeah. I think I saw that like when I was like 13. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really retain a lot of but that. There's like the troll that's like, you must answer a question. And some people get, what is your favorite color? And then the others get like, what is the square root of 567? <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> Nightmare. <laughs> and the people are like... He's so mean. And the last guy's like, he's like, what is your favorite color? Blue. No, red. And then he gets fucked. <laughs> God, what a classic. I'm so happy for them. Yes. Anyway, that okay. is genius. The gits consisted of Mia on vocals, Andy Kessler, a.k.a. Joe Spleen okay. on guitar. Okay. And... Matt Dressner on bass and Steve Moriarty on drums. Joe Spleen. Joe Spleen. I kept seeing Joe Spleen and Kessler being referenced, and then I was like, that's the same person. It's the same person. So in 1988, so four years around since forming the band, Mm -hmm. they recorded and released their official, unofficial debut album called Private Lubs. They also, I don't know what that means. They also played shows locally, but in 1989, they were feeling kind of restless, like in this like Ohio scene. And they were hearing about the growing music scene in Seattle. So they were like, let's go there. I think this is like the move for us right now. So the four moved into an abandoned building uh, in the Capitol Hill district of Seattle, and they called it the Rat House. Oh, hilarious. And Mia got a job working at a dive bar just mm-hmm. to kind of, like, make money and be able to support her lifestyle. Mm-hmm. 
Did I have to pay rent for this building? For the rat house? It was only described as an abandoned building, so I want to say it was like lightly no. squatting, but I'm not yes. really sure. That sounds like squatting to me. It sounds kind of squatty, right? It's, it sounds squatty. Yeah, I don't know. Yes. I mean, no Keep one was it using squatty. it, so I don't know. Use it, sure. God, that's so grunge. Keep it squatty. And they like... The four of them became, like, very close, even just, like, before they moved to Seattle, but, Mm -hmm. like, especially moving there, and they lived together, they rehearsed there, they, like, they always talk about each other, like, we're we're family, like, this isn't, like, oh, we're friends, we're bandmates, it's, like, we're, like, brother, sister, we're, like, we all love each other as, like, family. So they integrated into the scene and made a name for themselves fairly quickly, and released a series of singles on a local indie record label from... Around like the ninety, like ninety to ninety one. Okay. Adam Tepidellen, mm-hmm. and he's a co-author of Mud Ride: A Messy Trip Through the Grunge Explosion. Okay. Tells this website the thoughtfulness made the Gits a welcome addition to Seattle's small music community. Quote. They were very involved in the music scene. They took care of the scene. They took care of each other. They put out their own records. They put out record by records by each other's band. They brought a nice certain something to the scene as a group that I think a lot of people noticed and they integrated very well. They seemed to become a part of the scene and be very involved. Okay. Yeah. Separate from kind of like the punk scene, I think this was like a little bit more of like a... It still kind of had like that angst and emotion and kind of like anti-consumerism mm-hmm. kind of feeling, but it was less like, like who's more punk? Like it wasn't yeah. so competitive. Like they were trying to like help each other out, and, and it was also like very small at this point. Yeah. So it was really like kind of more intimate. Like they, no one was against anyone. Yeah, it didn't really seem to like it. Each other. It didn't seem like it in the same like in like a comparable way to like yes. the punk scene, at least in my opinion. Exactly. Yeah. But who knows. Along with releasing music, they played a lot of shows there with people also in the music scene, mostly with their friends who were in the band Seven Year Bitch. Mwah. Love. <laughs> I want a t-shirt. Can we find t-shirts? <laughs> I need it. We'll find them. In 92, they released a, another album, their kind of official debut album called Frenching the Bully. Mm-hmm. And in 1993, they began working on their second album. And Frenching the Bully, I think, didn't get, like, too much... Traction? Not, like, traction. They were just, like, it was still kind of, like, a smaller genre and a smaller scene. Mm-hmm. But they were definitely, like, making their way up very, very quickly. Like, okay. the scene was kind of, like, exploding in, like, a weird way. It was just, like, it was, like, slow and then all of a sudden it was big. Okay, got it. So they went on, like, tour for this album mm-hmm. and, like, their other releases and each show was said to like increase their skills and their stage presence like each show kind of got like more and more intense not in like a bad way but it was definitely like gaining attention Mm -hmm. like because of these shows like the quality of shows that they were putting out specifically like Mia's stage presence like she was already kind of had that like personality where she was like charismatic and like everyone like all eyes on her kind Mm -hmm. of thing like just like naturally how she was and I think she was becoming like more confident with her stage presence as yeah. well. So it was just like really ramping up and touring was like going very well for them. Mm-hmm. They played shows all around the Pacific Northwest, sharing the bills with bands like Nirvana, Sublime, Beck, and Green Day. Oh, and this is like early days for all of those bands. Fuck? So it's like 
They were all buds. Yeah, they're yeah. all early days. That's mm-hmm. so crazy. Yeah. They began attracting interest from various record labels and were soon offered a deal with Atlantic Records. And this deal was said to be planned to be signed and finalized. They, they were like, handshake, we'll sign the papers in a few weeks or something like that. Amazing. So they were like planning on finalizing everything and making it official in like the first few days of July in 1993. Okay. Oh no. All right. So now we're going to go to July 6th in 1993. Okay. On this night, on July 6th, Mia was out drinking with her friends in the Seattle Capitol Hill area, Mm -hmm. just at like kind of like a local hang. They had kind of been like taking a few days off from touring, but like it was like they were back for a few days and then they were supposed to leave a few days later kind of thing. And they had all these different legs of the tour. They were even planning on going to the UK. They were touring, but they were back in their home for a little bit, Mm -hmm. a few days. She's out drinking now. Okay, okay. Just with some pals. Around midnight, she left the bar and headed over to a rehearsal space in an apartment building about a block away from this bar Reportedly kind of like looking for her then boyfriend, Robert Jenkins. I guess he wasn't there or something. Like it was very unclear like why she actually left the bar. Like if she was looking for him or if she was like going to meet up with a friend or something like that. But she ended up hanging with a friend in that same apartment building of the rehearsal space and leaving around 2 a.m. Like almost exactly around 2 a.m. This was the last time she was ever seen alive. Uh, Only 80 minutes later, a sex worker was walking down the street and came across a dead woman just on the sidewalk. They were very close to a fire department, so they went there to go help. Um, EMTs tried to resuscitate her because she was still warm. Oh, my God. I saw a lot of different articles and the forensic files, people saying that it seemed at least like from their like expertise that she had died just like moments before being found. Oh my god. Which is terrifying. Yes. And at this time they didn't know who she was yet cuz she didn't have any IDs or anything like Nothing. that on her. Um this part's going to get a little graphic. I'm really sorry. Um not graphic just like I forgot to trigger warning. So trigger okay. warning. Bad. Bad. Stuff. She was beaten pretty extensively, sexually assaulted, and then strangled with the strings on her sweatshirt. The sweatshirt being her own band's, like, merch sweatshirt, which is, like, I don't know why that detail, like, made me hurt so much more. Yeah. Um, From the start of the investigation, a possible motive was they were thinking this was, like, maybe something religious just because of, like, the way that they found her. And also where they found her. Mm-hmm. So let me explain that. She yeah. she was laying in kind of like her arms out in like a T. Okay, and so her like, legs crossed like kind of like crucifix style. Yes, I was just about to say. And not only this, but paired with on one side of the street where she was found was a Catholic church. Mm-hmm. And on the other side was like a Catholic like community center of some sort. So okay. it was just like the... From the start, like, just even her still being on the scene, like, they were mm-hmm. like, this is... Spooky. Odd. Yes. Yeah. She was then brought to the medical examiners for an autopsy, and still she hadn't been identified. The medical examiner who was doing her autopsy was said to be the first person to recognize who she was. 
Oh. So pre her family slash band family mm-hmm. being notified, I mentioned earlier that they were in the process of like creating their second album, like recording, writing, yeah. doing all that stuff. And the band members noticed her absence because they had later that morning mm-hmm. of the 7th, like right. when she was found, like later that morning, they had scheduled a recording, writing, session. practice, yeah. session, whatever. So they began to contact hospitals and the police. And Moriarty recalls in a Rolling Stone interview, quote, then someone had the nerve to call the morgue. And the medical examiner who was a fan and had seen the gits says, it's your singer. I'm sorry. You should get someone to come down and identify her. It was a lifelong traumatic moment, unquote. Yeah, to put it lightly. So sad and scary. Oh, my God. Sorry, I'm like, I'm not even like taking a breath when I'm talking. (laughs) Hey, breathe. Like out of breath. Breathe. It's like stresses me out so bad. Okay. I feel like it can go without being said, but I'm going to say it. Like, Mm -hmm. this obviously shook the local music scene. And Mm -hmm. she was, like, really on the cusp of, like, getting her band huge. Like, they were about to sign with Atlantic. They were going on this tour. Like, Like Nirvana and Green Day. Yeah, like, they were, they were, like, going to go to the UK. They were going to go. how big those people are now. Like, can Mm -hmm. you literally imagine? Yeah. This was made a lot worse. Like, the shock and like terror of it all because Mm -hmm. investigators had no leads or evidence to really go off of at all they had no witnesses no nothing they they had nothing like truly nothing um so people in the scene who knew her almost kind of like started being a little like side eye like towards each other like being like Mm -hmm. could be anyone Mm -hmm. kind of thing Everyone was, like, speculating. Everyone was, like, talking about it. It, like, really just, like, shook everyone up. And I saw the grunge scene, like, early grunge scene in Seattle just, like, being described as almost, like, naive before her murder because it was kind of, like, I'm invincible, but it's also, like, a little more, like, it's less, I don't know. It was just, like. It's less jaded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Her boyfriend was the only, like, official suspect in this case mm-hmm. and they were like said to be in the middle of this like long breakup like some of the articles I was reading they were saying like ex-boyfriend some of them like they were saying boyfriend so like it seemed to be like kind of like at its end yeah and like I said earlier she was like said to be possibly like going leaving the bar to go like look for him so Mm-hmm. He had an alibi for that night, like a pretty airtight alibi, and he fully cooperated in the investigation, like got pretty like mm-hmm. harped on for a while, like and he passed like two or three lie detector tests. They were very confident that this is not okay. he was not involved in this. Fair. So once he was cleared, they again had nothing. Yeah. That was like literally the only person that they were like, this could be something. Right. But otherwise they were like, we have no clue. During her autopsy, um, the medical examiner did swab a bite mark found on her chest. But the sample for, like, DNA was way too small to be tested at that point in, like, how forensic testing was working. But he did save the sample. Okay. In hopes that the forensic science that was evolving so quickly could get to a point where they could test it without destroying it. Okay. But it was like they couldn't do anything with it. At the moment. And yes. they didn't even know if it was anything. Because right. like, like they couldn't predict like how far this science like could right. actually, or how exactly. specific, how whatever. So like I said, the scene and her friends were very 
very, very shaken up by her murder, understatement of the year. Mm -hmm. And with the lack of movement in the case, they decided to kind of like take matters into their own hands and began like kind of doing like on the streets, like investigating, like putting up posters, asking anyone who knows something, like say something like, Mm -hmm. and her bandmates decided to hire a private investigator named Lee Heron. Oh. Who was equally as frustrated with the lack of evidence in this case, like, as she went into it. Like, she was in this forensic files, Mm -hmm. and she was explaining how she, when she was hired, she went through every witness that the police had investigated, plus more, and she, like, went through all the evidence, and she would talk with these other investigators and just, like, be like, what is, like, she was losing hope very quickly, but it was still, like, it was frustrating her to the point where she was like, I need to keep doing this. Yes. So the whole music community in Seattle, including some of the most famous bands coming out of there, like Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, mm-hmm. they helped raise $70,000 to hire this private investigator for about three years. Wow. The After the three years, the funds had kind of like dried up without any real breaks in the case. Mm-hmm. But... Our girl Lee Heron actually continued to investigate this case on her own time, like after wow. the funds like dried up. Like she was just like, Pro I need to keep doing, doing this. this. Yeah. Not even that. She was just like, I need to know too. Okay. Which was like amazing. So this case went completely cold for almost 10 years. <laughs> and we're pausing. What? No, no, I'm just, I'm just. I'm waiting. I'm so anxious right now. I'm leaving you there for a moment. Are you kidding? Just for a sec. Just for a sec. You. I wanted to like kind of touch on this. Like I didn't know where else to put this, honestly. Okay. About like a week or so before. I I saw a week anywhere from like a week to a month. Okay. This song was written by Mia uh, for her band. Mm-hmm. The lyrics kind of like eerily resembling her manner of death and like so close in time wise. Okay. And this song was called The Sign of the Crab. And it was about basically like Mia being killed by a stranger, like a killer, like a serial killer. Yeah. The lyrics included things like anything to get me in, then get me killed. Because you know you're the one that won't be found. And maybe I've pushed my luck too many times. Important context here, though. Uh-huh. To kind of, like, un unspook it a little, but yes. not really. Okay. It was said that, like, by her band members, that the reason she kind of, like, had this, like, song on her mind was because at this time in Seattle, not only was, like, just, like, general crime and stuff, like, rising, there was a lot of, like, drug problems happening, mm-hmm. as, you know... Also probably in the grunge scene as well. But the serial killer known as the Green River Killer was active in yes. these years in this area of Seattle. Oh, my God. I completely for He's like one of the most notorious serial killers of all time. And he was like so not by the investigators, but like he what the Green River Killer like wasn't caught at that time. But they were like, what if she was like one of it. the yeah. victims? But like totally different manner of death like he had like a totally different mo absolutely and still spooky though still very spooky yeah like when you can't completely rule it out that freaks you out i know 
it was very spooky. So I just like had to add that part in too okay. because like it freaked me out real bad. God. But yeah, so I'll get back to the, okay. the case. Like I said, lack of evidence. I also forgot to mention the police like didn't really have a lot of evidence because they didn't think that she was killed where she was found. Oh. So she was found like a few miles away from like where she like was last seen. Right. And it's not like totally unreasonable that she could have like gotten there like in that amount of time, I guess. Yes. But like there was no evidence like around of like any sort of struggle, no blood, no nothing. So mm. it like seemed like she was kind of like Post. dumped and posed yes. and left. But like 80 minutes, that's just like such a short fucking amount of time for all of that to like. Yeah. God. And like. I love forensic files. I really mm -hmm. do. Like, my love of forensic files, it runs real deep. But, like, watching those older episodes are so cringy because, like, the people that they get on there to, like, talk, I'm just, like, there's a reason you're not, like, a TV personality. You yes. know what I mean? I'm, like, why didn't you cut that? You know what yeah. I mean? But, like, in talking about this evidence, like, or, like, this timeline, basically, there was this one, I think he was an investigator on the case or a journalist. He was, like killer was very busy in those 80 minutes like he said some shit like that where i was like that doesn't you don't need to say that like, why <laughs> like why are you saying that people will get a camera in front of them and they start saying just like the whack I'm just shit like you okay you don't need to word it like that you know like we get it yes. that's a short amount of time that was a weird thing to say sorry yeah anyway weird. anyway so let's get back into it her murder happened in 1993 mm -hmm. in this year of 1993 as well the person who kind of like developed the PCR test mm -hmm. that we all kind of like know. It was weird seeing them explain it because I have such a different context okay, of knowing it say, because of like COVID. It. But yes. like the PCR test is like basically the reason like it was so accessible for like COVID testing is because you don't really need like a huge sample, sample. of material, of <laughs> like snot. bodily material yeah. because like basically what they do is they take like a small amount of it and this like they are able to multiply it mm -hmm. in this context like the dna they're able to have like an incredibly small amount of dna and multiply it so it's like bigger mm -hmm. that's basically yes as sciencey as i can get with it <laughs> um but at this time the pcr test guy Mm -hmm. forgot to write his name down sorry sorry <laughs> um he won the nobel prize like for this like research so in 1993 so you Damn. would think oh they had this like little tiny piece of evidence and like the the pcr test like was like use the nobel peace prize dna stuff but even with this testing this like technique was too like in its infancy okay like it was still not like developed enough so the sample that they had for me was so small that they they wanted to wait until like the methods of testing were they didn't more advanced use it because they would have destroyed it. Yeah, like exactly. that's really what it is. Like it was that small. Okay, because it was basically they were saying it was like it was they took a swab of saliva like yeah, off of from her a bite mark, and she was like outside. Like yeah, it was it just was like dried. Up. Yeah, yeah. So it was very, uh, very, very. So this small. is like a a frustrating blessing in disguise. Yes. Okay. So flash forward to two thousand one. That's when they were finally, like, feeling like, Confident okay, enough. we can test this, and we don't think it's going to destroy the, like, okay. material of the evidence. Because this is really, like, 
genuinely the only piece of evidence that they have. Oh, God. That's like literally the only piece. Terrifying. Bad. So when they tested this, they found obviously her DNA, Mm -hmm. but they also found uh, the DNA of an unknown man. And because they didn't really know like what to do about this, they entered the DNA into CODIS. And CODIS is, like, the national DNA database, and that's where, like, if you're a felon, you have to give your DNA and put Mm -hmm. it into CODIS. This, like, connects and solves so many crimes because it's just running these, like, DNAs and trying to match them constantly. Constantly. All the time. truly. Oh, my God. But the system kept running, and there were no results. No. No. So the case went cold again. No. Until, like, a little over a year later. In 2002, the results finally linked up in CODIS to a man named Jesus Mesquia. Jesus was a Cuban exile, I guess. He, oh. he was called a Cuban exile, which okay. I don't really, I didn't really want to get into like the it's politics not, yeah, of Cuba. Yeah, not allowed to go back to Cuba. So he was, and he was living in Florida at the okay. time. And he got arrested in Florida for burglary and domestic abuse in 2002 and that's when his dna was entered into codis which is why it eventually got a hit but it didn't before mesquia had a history of violence towards women as we could probably imagine including domestic abuse burglary assault and battery all of his ex-girlfriends and wife had filed reports against him in the past Mm -hmm. there was also a report of indecent exposure on file against him in seattle Within two weeks of uh, Mia's murder. No. However, there's no, like, other known, like, link between the two. Right. Like, they don't think they, like, knew each other or, like, really interacted Mm -hmm. before her murder. Basically, how they described, like, how they, like, went to go find him was, like, he was arrested and, like, being held in Florida. Mm -hmm. But he was, like, out on Parole? parole or probation or something like that. Okay. And so the Seattle police, like, call the Florida police and they're like, hey, we're going to come down there. Like, can you just like keep an eye on him? Make sure he doesn't run away. Yeah. So they go down there. He's not there. But a few weeks later, he comes back. He apparently was like, oh, I took a temp job and I was on a fishing boat and stuff like that. I don't know what the fuck he was doing. Okay. But on a boat. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. He, but they boat. were very scared because they were like, he's on to us. Like he, he knows that we found him. Right. So they go in. And they take him in for questioning, and they they set up like these pictures, kind of like um, what am I, what am I, what word am I looking for? Lineup. They do they create like okay. this photo lineup yes. for him. Okay. One of them being Mia's picture, uh-huh. and they're like, "Do you recognize any of these people? Like, do you know any of these people?" Blah blah blah. And he's like, "No, I don't know any of these people. Like, no, yeah, who like." Are they? And the investigator, like, in one of these interviews that I watched, I think it was in the Forensic Files, can't remember. Mm -hmm. But he was basically like, and that's when I said, well, what would you do if I told you you murdered one of these people? And that's when he kind of started getting squirrely, obviously, because, like... Squirrely, Dan. And he, I guess, like, on this investigator's account, like, stood up and, like, showed his hands and was like, I'm not shaking, like, I didn't... I didn't do it. Like, this isn't me. Like, yeah. you have the wrong guy. Like, look, I'm not lying. I'm not shaking. I'm not sweating. Uh-huh. But <laughs> this guy was so sassy. He was like, great. So you're like a fucking, like, you killed someone. Like, of course you're not shaking. Like, yeah. You're not scared. But 
they gave him kind of like one last chance because if he did say he had some sort of like interaction Mm -hmm. with Mia at some point in his time in Seattle, that could have been like a pretty, that would have given reasonable doubt like why his DNA, like a very, very small amount of Mm -hmm. his DNA was on her body when she was found. Mm -hmm. But he was like, nope, don't know her, never seen her, don't know anything about her. So then they were like, all right, jail. Jail. (laughs) He was arrested and charged in 2003 and he was brought to trial because he pled not guilty. So he was like trying to maintain his innocence like this whole fucking time. Like he was like, no, this is not me. Sorry, not me. So the prosecution's theory was that he saw Mia leave the bar and followed her a short distance before he attacked her. So Mm -hmm. like it probably happened very quickly. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the people, like I think of the bartenders at the bar and like kind of like what she usually did when she was walking around, she like walked around with headphones on like in her Walkman. So like she probably had headphones on Mm -hmm. and she would have been like unaware of her like surroundings, surroundings. not like to... be blaming but just like it was situation situation yeah yeah. until he probably like grabbed her into his car and did all of that stuff there and then before dropping her off where she was found jesus was convicted in 2004 and was initially sentenced to 37 years on appeal he was given a sentence of 36 years And then two years ago, on January 21st, he died in a Washington hospital at the age of 66. So, fuck him forever. Seriously, rot in the ground. what the fuck? I know that's not, to me, like, this, not to say that it's, like, any better or worse than, like, any other, like, crimes against women, but it's Mm -hmm. just, like, such a story where it's, like, so senseless and it's so like it could have been any woman walking down the street kind of thing and it's not like I don't want to say it'd be satisfying for like a kind of more intentional or like more I don't know like but it's so like it's it's just like it's so tired of hearing these like pointless crimes of just like the random it just like has to happen to someone random just the fact that it's like it has to happen is not the right word but like you know it just like it happens just randomly and it happens all the time and it's so like Oh, whatever, you know, like that's that's clearly what they're thinking. Like it's yeah, not because a big deal. Even though they caught him and they like got him and like it's crazy kind of crazy that that was like the only piece of evidence that they really had. Like I guess circumstantial that he was in the area, but like still. It's one part they sw- it, they swabbed the one yeah, bite mark. And they saved it. You the know how one many one thing they swabbed. He had like that was amazing of him because like all of that stuff was so new even at the time. And you, how do you predict, like, how your, like, science is going to yeah. progress? You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was amazing that they actually, like, kept that, especially Faith for, like, 10 science. years. You know what I mean? Yes. But, yeah, like, it's frustrating it's... because it's just, like, even though their family and their friends, like, they get answers, it's just, like, it's not really an answer. Like, there's no reason behind it except, like, you're a monster, yeah. You know, not that like, that would make them feel any better, but it's just like. Like, great. Now we found out who did it. We can put like a face to a name and. It's put like him you still jail. can't see. You can't. That shit happens to so many other women. It's like your normal person brain cannot understand the like 
mindset of someone that can just like attack someone so mm-hmm. brutally just like on the street yeah. it's fucking disgusting so tired of hearing this narrative i know sorry no. um i know yeah so i wrote like this is so similar to a lot of cases of violence against women and it's obviously very scary and real and disgusting and but i do want to end on like a more positive note unlike my usual stories <laughs> Because she did have, like, such a huge impact, not only on, like, the early grunge scene, but just, like, the people around her. Like, she was so... Absolutely. Like, loving and caring. And, like, she made a community and she really, like, had a special effect on people. So I want to stop talking about fuckface. Yeah. So some nice things that came out out of, like, the Mm -hmm. tragedy of this. Joan Jett recorded an album with the remaining rem- members uh, called Evil Stig, which is Gits Live, backwards. <laughs> <laughs> the Gits second album, Enter the Conquering Chicken, was released in 1994, okay. followed by like archival releases over the years. And I was listening to like, I was trying to figure out what where that name came from. And mm-hmm. I guess like she had this, she had like some bullies growing up mm-hmm. and everyone would call her chicken legs. But then she like took that and was like, sure, and got a chicken tattooed. Fuck yeah. And then she was like, the conquering chicken. The conquering chicken. Like I love that. <laughs> like I love it a lot. <laughs> I really do. I call my dad chicken legs sometimes. That's amazing. So you gotta get a tattoo he on his legs. So yeah, they like release this album because they had been like recording and writing for a while like at least like a year before this had happened and Mm -hmm. they were touring and they like had a lot of material yeah viva zapata by seven year bitch who were their friends you Mm -hmm. know um was released in june of 94 and it was obviously like a tribute to her Mm -hmm. some of the songs on this album address the issue of her murder directly. Following her death, Joan Jett and Kathleen Hanna wrote a song called Go Home, and that was later released on Joan Jett's 1994 album Pure and Simple. A video was also released for this song, which depicted a woman who was being stalked and attacked, but was then able to defend herself against the assailant. Okay. So that's like, I don't know. She... I said she had such an effect on people around her. She inspired a group being formed called Home Alive. So Home Alive was created, this group of women in the Seattle music scene. They pooled their resources and had benefit concert and released albums with participation of many bands, including Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Heart, and the presidents of the United States of America, the band, not the... presidents (laughs) presidents <laughs> no you mean no, the lincoln didn't show up to this one girl <laughs> okay home alive provided free self-defense classes for women using the funds raised by like all of these like shows and things like that work and cool. the founders like they had tried out other like self-defense classes because obviously not only because of this and like the serial killer active there like it was just like they tried other self-defense classes. Everyone was scared, you know? Yes. But they found them lacking like due to prices and they offered kind of like restrictive rules for women as we still see to this fucking day 
including like how we should dress conservatively and like Mm -hmm. never walk alone. So they kind of like created Home Live as kind of like a, you know, we're going to we're going to actually do this respectfully and like still empower people instead of like forcing them to be scared. Yes. So they taught not only physical self-defense, but as well as like verbal boundaries, like saying no when feeling uncomfortable, escape route techniques, Mm -hmm. and kind of like de-escalation tactics, like like so many things. So yeah, it says like for the organization, self-defense meant to do anything to make oneself feel strong and able to take care of themselves in order to feel safe. So I love that. Yeah, it was really like empowering. It really kind of like and it was also free for most people. It oh. turned from like a or like when it like continued on, it turned from like everyone having it free to only it was kind of like more like need based. Like if you they kind of were like, if you can pay, you should because like there are people who genuinely can't pay for these things and, and we, we want to be able to be able it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, that was just like something that like was inspired by, you know, Mia's. Heck yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was the really tragic death of Mia Zapata and her impact. That was good though. Thank you, you said that you told that very nicely. I'm so glad I was Dude, I was on the edge of my bed. <laughs> My seat, my the edge of my bed right now. I was going to do it kind of like forensic files format where I was going to like set the Seattle scene and then tell you the crime and then... And then like, say some whack shit in between. Yeah. But then I was like, no, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you. I'll, I'll, it's so frustrating though. You're right. You still to this day, like, I'll do it too. Like, I'll tell my friends, like, don't walk alone out there. Mm-hmm. But Because that's like, what else are we going to do? Like, I yeah, hate that we else? have to do that. But it is like... Um, I think I, I don't remember if I was talking about this like on or off mic when Zach was on the pod, but mm-hmm. like my dad was so like, you we're learning self-defense, babes. Let's mm-hmm. go. You guys are ladies and we're doing oh, yeah. it. You went down the Taekwondo rabbit hole. Yeah. And like, it is important. I think every, not even just woman, like I think everyone should take like a self-defense class of some sort, mm-hmm. especially if you're in like any sort of like marginalized group. Yes. Because they are important skills and it's not, it's seen as like very aggressive and it's, but it's not, it's like really rooted in like, you're going to do this in the most fast, effective way possible to keep you safe. And you're going to feel empowered by this. And I think that's very important. And um, they did make a point, like when they were talking about like home alive, that the idea first spawned from like you know like what if like them being like what if Mia like took these classes like she would have been able to defend herself but they very quickly like realized that especially because the guy Jesus was mm-hmm. a ginormous man was like, he truly actually monstrous ginormous man and like so that. they openly were like you know we can't we can't say stuff like that about like her situation but we can like try to empower people to like try to prevent these things from happening yes yeah so yeah so fucking scary so fucking sad back to our very common point of like what could have been yeah you know she was also like only like she was 27 yeah yeah 
I wonder if you can, um, I wonder if that building is still abandoned. The rat house? Rat the rat house. house. kind of want to visit the rat house. It'd be kind of nice if the other members of the band were able to, like, make enough money to, like, flip the rat house. One of the members so of the like band. Mansion. I think it was the, dr- I think it was Moriarty. The drummer. He was, yeah, he was in this Forensic Files episode talking about her and stuff like that. And it was very sweet. Um, and he was like, you know, like, she was my sister and like all this stuff was very sweet. But he was like, I liked his interview part a lot. I'm looking up if the rat house is still around. Because I'm curious now. Is the rat house still ratting? Is it still ratting? Well, I'm I'm taking a um, real estate guess that now this house is like, they've upscaled it because of the history. They're mm. like, squat where the grunge masters squatted once <laughs> and it's like you go there and it's just a bunch of bean bags everywhere i love it a bunch of bean bags and like mattresses on the floor <laughs> that'd be fun <laughs> i'm in i'm there it's actually an airbnb last time i checked let's get it honestly i'd go the rat layer no well, the rat house rat house um, okay, well, I love that story, and I'm happy you told it, and I bet yeah. it feels nice to finally tell it after sitting on it for so long. It does. We need to get some Gits merch. Yeah, we do. That was a good story. Happy you Thank did that. You. Yay, solo episode. Yay. I also realized, like, I think every time we do a solo episode, you do a solo episode first. You've so. never gone first. Hey. Hey. It's because I'm usually the one, like, having, like, a menti B, and you're like, I can do just, don't worry I can about go it. This week. I'll go this week. But this time I was having a TV and I was like, I'll do it. I got no, it. No, you did it. You did and you it. did it very well. Thank you. <laughs> so we don't need to be confused anymore. That's what we learned this week. Thank God. We can we can just wake up and just be like Where are we? Period. Where are we? Not a question mark. Not Where a question are we? mark. Where Period. are we? <laughs> <laughs> just set the level of delusion for the day. No, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I think the level of delusion should be high at this point in time, mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. Because how else are we supposed to get through the day? Exactly. I just finished a, like, literally minutes before you came, I finished another Agatha Christie mystery novel. You are, like, up her booty hole right now. Dude, it's awesome. I've read 53 books this year. Like, you're fucking... I thought you were in your 60s. No, I'm in my 50s. Oh. Wait, did you finish Helter Skelter? Yeah, that was number 50. I know. It took so long. Yeah, it's like a thousand pages. That one, that's that's dense. Everyone that wants to read it, I suggest you do read it, but just realize it takes a long time to process. It took me two weeks to read it. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Um, But in my Agatha Christie novel that I just finished, like the person who they thought was committing all these like murders and these crimes just was being fed LSD and other drugs uh. and acting crazy, obviously, and not Rut having row. any recollection of what's going on and just being confused and, like, not remembering what time or where she was. That's and then terrifying. as soon as they caught the person, she was normal again. I don't um, and they're like, like They're like, oh, you didn't do any of these things. You've been drugged this whole time, and these people have actually been doing these things and making you think you've done them. And I was like, so when is the day that I get to wake up and realize someone's been drugging me every day? Clarice, you don't do anything to warrant that, and that someone level is God. of behavior. You're insane. 
Hello? Yeah, true. I just wake up confused. Clarice hated no... too hard on religion, and then she's back on it. It's awesome. I blame all my problems on it. Um, but yeah, I just, I wake up and I'm like confused, but there's no one drugging me. So Agatha can't write a story about me. Do you take Benadryl before this? What are you no. saying? <laughs> what are you saying? Where are we? Where are we? Period. All right. You're hair looks long right now my adhd medicine is gone like it's not i think i'm being like placeboed like for the past week and a half like what is happening all right are we what is happening we are leaving we're leaving (laughs) all right we're leaving you in this state of confusion that we are also always always um well we'll see you next week clarice you better bring it in hot i I know you will you always do everyone needs to enjoy their friendsgiving because i know that's happening oh yeah this week enjoy friendsgiving after is when we go yeah here we are here we are here we are we are here where are we we are here period goodbye see you next week love you guys (laughs) be nice to them they're so nice and supportive they are be nice goodbye stop (laughs) sorry thank you goodbye (laughs) (laughs) i kept her up past her bedtime (laughs) Now we must all pay. (laughs) I'm leaving. If you like what you hear, feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and rate and subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts. Tell us what you think on our Twitter or Instagram at Record Crimes Pod. Have a suggestion or something you want to hear on the podcast? Send us an email at recordcrimespod at gmail.com.